Amen. If you have a Bible tonight, we're just going to look at one chapter. 2 Samuel chapter 22. Um, It's almost recorded word for word in Psalm 18. And many believe that David wrote this psalm before he sent with Bathsheba. And then as we go through, you'll see a few reasons why I believe it too. It appears to be... uh, so because it, it looks like a praise of deliverance and, and no doubt from the hands of, I'm sure, King Saul. You know, he's writing this, penning this, you know, writing this. The Holy Spirit let him write this for us, you know, as it shows in verse 1. So th- this chapter is chronologically, t- it takes us back to Second Samuel chapter 7 and 8. So it should be right squeezed in there, but it's not. It's right here. Some have called this what we would say the royal hymn of praise and thanksgiving unto God. The, the royal hymn of praise and thanksgiving unto God. And the, this song is squeezed between David's history of wars with the Philistines and the list of mighty men of valor who served with David, who would be instrumental in him conquering kingdom after kingdom, and it's squeezed right in the middle of that. So in verse 2 and 3, David uses the word my. Mentioned nine times. He, he said the Lord was his, my. You know, my, what we call a personal, in English, a personal pronoun, possessive pronoun, in the English language, he says my. And he's going to use words in this psalm that I think you should all, like, underline or write them all down. It's particular words that I think that we wouldn't take much note of it normally, but as you read the Bible, it means something because he's going to say rock. You know, he's my rock. Like, you know, some people got the rock. You know, like one of my friends got a ministry called the Rock Ministries. You know, two, actually, one in Newark and one in Kensington. The rock, rock, fortress, he's going to say fortress. He's going to say deliverer. He's going to say the word strength. He's going to use the word shield. He's going to use the word stronghold. There's a church named after that, Christian stronghold. He's going to say stronghold. He's going to say refuge, and he's going to say savior. And he's not just writing a song and words to sound good. He's not doing it. He's not writing a song to get, you know, on the, the billboard hits and something like that or get a Grammy. He's not writing it for that purpose. He's writing from experience, and the Holy Spirit allows David to put this to the quill, the rock, the fortress, deliver us, strength, shield, salvation, he's going to say, stronghold, you know, refuge, savior. You know, the Holy Spirit has allowed him to pen this psalm for all of us sitting here today to read it. Look, for a Jew, the psalms were so much different, because for a Jew, the Psalms was like a hymn note, but it was the scriptures. It was the written word of God. So for us, you know, you grew up in like a Methodist church. They got a Methodist hymn note. A lot of songs written there, of course, by Charles Wesley or somebody. You know, the Baptist, you got the Baptist hymn note. You know, you have, you know, the Episcopal hymn note. Or you would have the Presbyterian hymn note. And we'd have hymn notes for a Jew or a person in Israel. The Psalms is their hymn note. And it's the written word of the living God. So he said, who wrote that song? God. Where'd you get that song from? God. 
Well, how did you, the Lord is my shepherd, God. You know, every psalm is, is, the, is the word of God. In fact, it's one psalm in the Bible, <clears throat> which is called, you know, it's the longest psalm in the Bible. It's Hebrew acrostic poetry. And is, is written, you know, in Psalm 119, this long psalm. You imagine trying to, you know, sing a song with 122, um, um, uh, uh, well, 176, rather, verses, you know. Imagine singing with 22 Hebrew alphabet, eight in each stanza. Imagine that. But this psalm here is still, is a fairly long song. If you, you know, you study through, you read it, it's, you know, it's 51 verses. And so David writes this. He says, then David spoke to the Lord, verse 1. David spoke to the Lord the words of this song. On the day when the Lord had delivered him from the hand of all of his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he said, and this is the song, the Lord, and this capital L, capital O, capital R, which would be Jehovah, the Lord is my rock, Jehovah Selah would be rock, and my fortress and my deliverer. He's my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. Three times in this verse, he uses the word my. He says, the God, Elohim, the God of my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my savior. Isn't that interesting? He says, my strength, my shield, my salvation, my stronghold, my refuge, my Savior, that equals all who the Savior is, because the Savior is our shield, and he is our strength. He is our, you know, horn and salvation and my stronghold and my refuge. That's who the Savior is. You know, in Psalm 18, it says that it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. So David says, the God of my strength. Nehemiah says it like this in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, I believe it's verse 10. He says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And here David says, the God of my strength, in whom I will trust my shield, the shield, Jehovah, Megan, you know, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. King James says, high tower and my refuge, my savior. You know, in the song of Mary, the Magnificat, in Luke chapter 1, you know, verse 46, it's interesting that Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God. She calls God, God my Savior. See, we don't usually equate God as my Savior. We call Jesus Christ my personal Savior. But God is my Savior. When Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, Paul told the church in Ephesus in Ephesians 5.23, Paul said that Jesus is the head of the church and the Savior of the body. He's the Savior of the body. You know, I love what Micah 6.6 calls God. He says, hi, God. <laughs> the high God. He's the high God. You know, when Paul writes Titus, it's interesting. When Paul writes Titus six times and when he writes Titus, more than any other New Testament book, he says the word Savior in Titus. Six times he says Savior. But it's interesting what he does with the word. 
three times in Titus 1.3, in Titus 2.10, and Titus 3.4, he says, God our Savior. That's what he says, God our Savior. Then two more times he'll say, Jesus our Savior. In Titus 1.4 and Titus 3.6, he says, Jesus our Savior. But when you get to Titus 2, well, you know, since the grace of God that brings us salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust, that we should live soberly and righteously godly in this present age, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So he, he puts God and Jesus Christ is really Jesus is God. He's saying he's proclaiming his deity that Jesus is the Savior and God is too. They're not separate saviors. Because I am the Father of one. Is he your Savior? Is God your Savior? Is he your, is he your Savior? Well, Lord, I want the Lord to be, is, you know, because the Savior is last. My Savior, he's my stronghold, and, you know, he's my refuge. He's my salvation, my strength, my shield, my protector. He's our protector. The Lord is our protector. Aren't you glad about that? Because the world thinks they can build some type of weaponry and, you know, defend everything. You know, well, we could, we could stop this from happening. We could stop that from happening. We got this kind of world. We got, you know, the, the Patriot missiles that can stop this from happening. And we have that and we have this. And here it says that my Savior, and notice what he says he saved me from. You saved me from violence. So David is writing this psalm after many years of being chased by Saul, like a partridge, you know, being chased on the mountain as he fled from King Saul. And in fact, you got to realize that Saul was his father-in-law that he fled from. It's interesting when you read 2 Samuel 7 and you backtrack and think back. It says that now the king to pass when the king was dwelling in his house and the Lord has given him rest from all of his enemies all around. That was David. All of his enemies all around. And here would always, everyone in here should do, look at verse 4 and say, you know, I need to do this. I will call upon the Lord who's worthy to be praised. If he's worthy to be praised, clap for Jesus tonight, the Lord. Right. He's Worthy to be praised. He is worthy to be praised. You know, the revelation of Christ, John writes that you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. He's worthy to be praised. You see some people at worship sometimes, they thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And then looking at their phone, thank you. They didn't praise like that. This is the nation of Israel. They worshiped the Lord so loud that the nations heard them afar off in the book of Nehemiah. That the nations heard them afar off worshiping their God. And if he's done something for you, he's worthy. He says, who is worthy to be praised? So I shall, so I shall be saved from my enemies. He's worthy to be praised. David is the one who wrote this, which is interesting. David said, I will bless the Lord at all times, his praise, 
shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out. And the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blesses the man who trusts in the Lord. Oh, fear the Lord, you saints. There's no, there's no want to those who fear him. Our God is an awesome God. Is he an awesome God to you? He is an awesome God. And Psalm 47, verse 2 says, The Lord Most High is awesome. He is a great king over all the earth. Our God is an awesome, awesome, awesome God. He is awesome. Do not leave out of here tonight and not know the awesomeness and the vastness and the greatness and the power of our God. He's an awesome God. When the waves of death surrounded me, verse 5, the floods of ungodly, ungodliness made me afraid. Notice that David shares with us his heart condition and trust in the Lord. He experienced fear just like the rest of us. David was one thing that all of us was, human. <laughs> you know, he, he says, the sorrows of Sheol surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. And in verse 7, he says, in my distress, you know, it's interesting, the word distress in the Latin means to hinder. It means to hinder, you know. He says, in my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God, and he heard my voice. Notice what he says. He heard my voice from his temple, and my cry entered his ears. It's interesting that he says he heard my voice from his temple, because when David is writing, there was no temple. Because David was instrumental in helping Solomon build the temple. So he's not talking about an earthly temple here. He's talking about a temple not made with man's hands, God's temple, God's throne. Not the temple in Jerusalem, because Solomon didn't even build it yet. He says, he heard my voice from his temple and my cry entered his ears. And we should call on the Lord in our distress. He delights in the prayer of the upright. Some people get distressed. They go through a bunch of stuff. They stop coming to church. First thing they, that goes, I ain't going to church no more. Work never be the first thing they stop going to because that's how you make your money, you know. But church will be. Well, I'm not going to church, man. I ain't lying. You know, and the enemy loves to get us alone like that. And say, yeah, I got this guy right here. He loves to get you alone. You can just say, oh, pity party, pity party, pity party. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. This is David saying, and I cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple, and my cry entered his ears. Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations of heaven quaked and were shaken because he was angry, smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down with darkness under his feet. He rode upon the cherub, singular, and flew and he was seen upon the wings of the wind. 
He made darkness can he made darkness canopies around him, dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. Imagine the presence of God. From the brightness before him, coals of fire were kindled. The Lord thundered from heaven, and the Most High uttered his voice. He thundered from heaven, and the Most High, Most High, 47 times, El Elyon is mentioned, translated in the English, but is El Elyon, the Most High, is mentioned 47 times in the Old Testament, 22 times in the Psalms, the most, and then 13 times in the book of Daniel. He'll say El Elyon more than any other of the other prophets, Daniel will. He says, the Lord thundered from heaven, and the Most High uttered his voice. He sent out arrows and scattered them, our enemies, lightning bolts, and he vanished them. You know, remember in 1 Samuel chapter 7, it says that the children of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that, we may, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. Then Samuel cried out to the Lord of Israel, and the, and the Lord answered him. And, and now as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a loud thunder upon the Philistines that day and so confused them that they were overcome by Israel. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and drove them back as far as beth Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shane and called it Ebenezer. Remember saying, thus far the Lord has helped us. Thunder. Imagine God's thunder from heaven. We were so scared of thunder growing up, we said be in the dark. My mom, I don't know if she was superstitious or what, but she would say, they used to tell us we were kids, we didn't know any better, the Lord is doing his work. I'm like, this loud? We would be hiding in the dark. All the lights was on. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Years ago, they respected the Lord so much, when it thundered, lights was off. Everybody cut off all their lights. And they see, you know, and you just stayed still. Nobody was able to move in the house or nothing. You stay still. You stayed in one place and you respected that thunder that came from heaven because you didn't know exactly what was going on as a kid. But you know, your mom said, The Lord is doing his work. And I don't know if he was doing his work, but I do know it scared me half to death to sit somewhere and mind my business. And God can hear our prayers when the ungodly come up against us. When the Lord returns, you know, the Bible says, when he returns, when the Lord returns, you know what it says? It says, and the, and the lawless one, the son of the man of sin, meaning the Antichrist, the one, you know, the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. He'll destroy the Antichrist. you imagine if God just thundered? He can rain down fire. Remember when Elijah was at uh, Mount Carmel against the false prophets of Baal? And God sent fire down. And our God is a consuming fire. No one can see God and live. It says, then the channels of the sea were seen. The foundations of the world were uncovered at the rebuke of the Lord, at the blast of the breath of his nostrils. This is the power of God. He sent from above, he took me. 
He drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy, you know, Saul, Goliath, you know, Achish, King of Gath, Absalom, and so on, from those who hated me. For they were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. Isn't that something? And he also brought me out into a broad place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. He delighted in me. He delights in us. God is not ashamed to call us brethren. He delights in us. You don't think God delights in you sometimes. You say, well, look, you don't know how messed up I am. If you really knew my real life, this, I'm this, I'm that. He delights in us, the Bible says. He's not ashamed to call us brethren, as it says in, um, I believe it's Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11. He's not ashamed to call us brethren. Not ashamed to call us brethren. We're ashamed to call ourselves brethren when we look in the mirror sometimes. It says, the Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands. Now, this cleanness of my hands gives us a hint that this is why many believe that David wrote this psalm before he sinned with Bathsheba. Because he didn't have clean hands when he sent with Bathsheba. In fact, he would lay on right after he sinned with Bathsheba. He would write, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. So he didn't have clean hands. But here he says that the Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands. He has recompensed me, rewarded me. David had an opportunity to kill Saul. That's the context. And he didn't kill him. His hands was clean. He could have killed Saul. He could have killed Saul. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. Look, the Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly before him. No good thing. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Amen? Some of the places we came from, and the Lord can reward us. It's so, for I kept the ways of the Lord, verse 22, and have not wickedly departed from my God. So we know this is written before he sinned with Bathsheba. For all his judgments were before me, and as for his statures, I did not depart from them. It seems like this echoes Psalm 119 when it says, I have chosen the way of truth, your judgments I have laid before me. I've laid them before me. I laid the word of God and I made a choice to walk with the Lord. And look what he says. I was also blameless, King James says upright, before him. And I kept myself from iniquity. Iniquity, look, the Hebrew word aven, crookedness, from that root word, a crookedness. David said, I didn't live a crooked life. And I made a choice not to live it because he says, I kept myself from my from iniquity, from my iniquity, I kept myself. This is, you know, a choice. In the world we live in, there are choices. But we got to make choices. It's second by second and minute by minute. That's how our life has to be. Second by second minute. Look, it's so crucial now that we make good decisions, not just good decisions, intelligent decisions. Intelligent decisions. You, you think about making a decision just to do anything. He's almost like, Lord, I need to pray about this, Lord. I need to pray about this, Lord. Help me, Lord. I don't know what I'm doing, Lord. Please help me. Lord, I, I've kept myself from making these crazy deci decisions. You know, because remember Noah? 
Noah lived in a world filled with violence, filled with sin, filled with darkness, filled with, you know, and insensitivity, you know, indulgence, all types of, you know, wicked, violent, you know, vile things. And then God said he was sorry that he even created man. And when you read Genesis chapter 6, verse 8, it says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord because he made a choice. He made a choice. Now, I'm not living like everybody else. They laughed at him. They mocked him. Look, if you're trying to live right before the Lord right now, don't hang around those old carnal friends. People always say, well, that's my friend. That's my best. What's their walk with the Lord? Bad company corrupts good morals. It doesn't say good morals help bad company. It says bad company corrupts good morals. You can't get the measles unless you give nobody the measles unless you have them. So we can't become efficacious to a world and spread something if we around. We the only Christian and everybody else around us drinking and at the happy hour and you and this standing on the side like, oh, you don't look what they said. We had to come. Everybody at work had to be here. Look, I don't want to offend nobody. Well, that's just nonsense. He says, I made a choice. David says, I, he said, I kept myself. He made a choice. You know, Noah made a choice. People could make a choice. This is, this is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man. The Bible says perfect. It means a man that was blameless, having integrity in his generation. And Noah walked with God. And David said, you know what? I kept myself. How'd you keep yourself? Yeah, and I come to the, um, to the cookout. Who's going to be at the cookout? Who's going to be there? What's going to be the shit nay nay and, you know. Well, I'm coming to that cookout. You know, and, and our lives could be like the minute of one choice could make us, our life go on a, or a, a go off course for, for hundreds of years if, if, if we live that long. And that's sort of hyperbole, you know, but it, it could sort of make our life go in a place where you can't get off course, you, you can't get back on course. One bad choice. One bad choice. And he says, I've kept myself. I, I won't do it. And later on, David is going to go off course. He didn't keep himself when he seen Bathsheba. He says, who's that woman? And then, you know, the servant comes back and says, yo, it's Uriah, the Hittite wife. That's who it is, that one woman, that one night, that one man standing all by himself. That one choice cost him everything. And then by the time we get done Second Samuel, he's never going to be the king that he was. He's going to be the sweet psalmist of Israel. A better songwriter, but not as great as man as he was used by God. Look, you, we got to learn how to do that. We got to learn how to keep ourselves. And girls, you learn how to keep yourself. If you meet a guy and he says, you got to give it up. I don't care. You got to give it up. Punch him in the nose. I don't got to give up nothing. It don't mean a thing until I get the ring. And learn that. Because he's some selfish trifling something, I'm sure. He cared nothing about you but himself. And learn, I say, no, you ain't getting nothing, no, no. Sorry, buddy, I didn't know what you was expecting, but nothing here, buddy. Well, it's over. Well, it just have to be over. Because then I really know you wasn't the one in the first place. I kept myself. And we need more women to say, I'm keeping myself. And young guys now. 
Young guy, Sue, I kept myself. Well, what do you mean you kept yourself? I didn't go over that girl's house. I wouldn't dare go over her house. You know, I want to be like Joseph. If they accuse me, they're going to accuse me with my garment in her hand, the back part of it, not the front part of it. Because she had, she had the back part of Joseph's garment, you know he was running from her. Not her fighting them off. How can I do this great weakness and sin against the Lord? And you can, well, what about this one little phrase? I kept myself from my iniquity. Yeah, because once I would have ever done what I've done, it would have been mine. I would have owned it. It's my iniquity. And it says in verse 25, therefore the Lord recompenses to reward. There are rewards that accompany obedience and living right before the Lord. Therefore the Lord recompense my, me according to my righteousness. According to my cleanness, notice, not in man's eyes, in his eyes. You see that in your Bible? In his eyes. Because in man's eyes, we could always fake like we're clean, you know? How you know? Praise the Lord, brother. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord Jesus on the main line. Tell him what you want. We could always do that. But he says, no, no, no. In his eyes. The eyes of the Lord, they roam to and fro. His eyes. With the merciful you, with the merciful, you will show yourself merciful. With a blameless man, you will show yourself blameless. With the pure, you will show yourself pure. And with the devious, you will show yourself shrewd. You will save the humble, but the eyes are on the haughty, the proud, that you may bring them down, the proud, proudful man. You can't tell them nothing. A proudful person, they got everything figured out. You can't tell them nothing. You say, well, what about them? Well, don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me nothing. You know, he gives, as the Bible says, he gives more grace. But he gives more grace. You know, he resists, God resists the problem. He gives grace to the humble. That's why I said, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Go home and read your Bible. Go read, read James chapter Four, verse um, 6 and 7. He gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud. And the proud falls right at the sway of the enemy every single time. Before pride comes destruction. He says, you will save the humble people, but your eyes are on the haughty, the pride, the proudful one, the proudful person, that you will bring them down. For you are my lamp. David says, this is my lamp. O Lord, O Jehovah, the Lord, Jehovah, shall enlighten my darkness. This is not physical darkness here. You know, when John writes, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him we have life, and the life was the light of man, of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. He's not talking about no light. You know, we get the word phos, phosphorus, you know, that element which helps create light. He's not talking about light like that. He's talking about spiritual light. The Lord shall enlighten my darkness, for by you I can run against a troop. By my God I can leap over a wall. You know, you think about Superman. You know, look up in the sky. He can leap a single bound. You know, you, you know. as for God... His way is perfect. Amen. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield 
to all who trust in him. Trust in the Lord, all you people. Trust in God. People don't trust in God no more. Because they're not reading his word. If you're not reading his word, how can you trust in God? It's impossible. You have to read the word and see what God say about life. And then you say, okay, this is the book of life. I read the book of life. It's God's book. He penned it. I can trust his word. You know, the, the writer of Proverbs, Proverbs 30, verse 5, we used to have it on one of the slides years ago. that says, every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. Every word of God is pure. pure. He's a shield to those who put, his, put their trust in him in Proverbs 30, verse 5. And it's interesting. He says that his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. How many of y'all know that it's proven? The word is good. The word is good. You know, I'm reading now and I'm like, I wake up in the morning like, wow. The word of God is good. It's real good. And he is a shield to those who put their trust in him. And here the psalmist says he's a shield to all who put, their, put trust in him. Verse 32, for who is God except the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? In other words, there is none like thee, no, not one. God is my strength and power. He makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet, like the feet of dare and sets me on high places. He teaches my hands to make war, because David was a man of war, so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have also given me the shield of your salvation. Your gentleness has made me great. He says, your gentleness. It's not just God's power that makes a man great, but it's God's gentleness that makes a man great too. His good hand is gentleness. You enlarge my path under me, so my feet, not one foot, both feet, so my feet did not slip. You might just slip with one foot, but when your feet goes from under you, you're done. You know the ice where you don't see it, the black ice, you walk outside, you go, both of your feet go from under you, and you're up in the air, and bam, you know. He says, I have pursued my enemies and destroyed them. Neither did I turn back again till they were destroyed. And I have destroyed them and wounded them so that they could not rise. They have fallen under my feet, for you have armed me with strength for the battle. Isn't that something? You have subdued under me those who rose against me. David understood that he was fighting the battles of the Lord. That's why he didn't put his hands on King Saul when he had the opportunity to do so. You have also given me the necks of my enemies, so that I destroyed them who hated me. They looked, meaning his enemies, but there was none to save, even the Lord. But he did not answer them. Then I beat them as fine as, fine as the dust of the earth. I tread, I tread dirt like I tread them like dirt in the streets, and I spread them out. He was whipping them up good. 
You have also delivered me from the strivings of my people. You've kept me as the head of the nations. Notice it says nations. You say, well, wasn't he the king of Israel? He says, you have kept me as the head of the nations. A people I have not known shall serve me. David had many people serving him. He had the Cherethites, the Pelethites, the Gibeonites, you know, and so on. He says, the foreigners submit to me. As soon as they hear, they obey me. God gave David unimaginable. It's unimaginable favor, and he can do the same thing for us. How many of you ever got promoted at your job before? Raise your hand up high. It's a lot of you, right? God did that. God did that. God did that. God can do things that man cannot never ever do or think of. God did that. God, you know, and here's David says, the foreigners submit to me, not even the children of Israel he's talking about here. As soon as they hear, they'll obey me, because God gave them that. He didn't have that. David was nothing but a little shepherd boy, remember? He was a nobody. And sometimes when God puts us in places, always remember where it came from. It's not by power, not by might, but it's by the Spirit of the Lord of hosts that he does these things he wants to do in our lives. It's not by our own intellect. He said, well, I was really good, that's why they promoted me. I was really like an a, a idiot, and they promoted me at my job. You know, I went, on the, I went to the interview. I thought I had an interview. I get to the job. They laughed me to scorn. I had a shirt and tie on and stuff. They said, you didn't get no, you didn't, what did you come here for dressed up for? We already gave you the job. I'm like, what? And then my heart went down to my feet because I was hoping I really didn't get it because I know what I was doing. And God put me in a job. I didn't know nothing what I was doing. And he said, this is the job I have for you. Because when God puts you in places and you don't know what you're doing, that's God. He's going to shape you and mold you in those places. It's going to be a long ride, but he's going to tell you, drain the pride out of you. He'll, he'll shape and mold you. It says the foreigners fade away and they come frightened from their hideouts. And look what he says. The Lord lives. Blessed be my rock. Let God be exalted, the rock of my salvation. Look what he says. The Lord lives. Praise the Lord that our God lives. He's not a dead God. He is alive. He is alive. He lives. He's a sure foundation. Remember Mary Magdalene and Mary, you know, the mother of James and um, Salome. When they went to Jesus' tomb, they brought spices and you know, they came to the tomb and seeking the Lord. And the angel told them, you know, he says, why are you afraid and, and bow your faces to the earth? And they said, and the angel, they, as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, to the angels, and the angel said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? Why do you seek the living among the dead? The God we serve is not dead. He's not in a tomb like a mummy being wrapped up. He's not a big statue with a diaper. That's not the God we serve. The God we serve is alive because our God lives. He's alive because he lives. That old song used to sing, you know, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. You know, because he lives, he lives. He lives and he says, the Lord lives. Bless, blessed be my rock. Is God your rock? He can't be your rock apart from the word. And you would say, what does that have to do with anything? How can, what do you mean by that he can't be my rock apart from the word? He is my rock. 
Jesus is saying something different. If you think he's your rock apart from God's word, he's not. I'm going to tell you why. Jesus says this. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, and mine and does them, I will liken unto him a wise man who built his house on the rock. On the rock. The same word for rock there is the same word that Jesus, when he looks at Peter, you know, when they were up in um, Caesarea Philippi, and he says that, who do men say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he says, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father is in heaven. You know, and you should be called Peter, small stone, rock. It's the same word for that huge, massive rock, that bedrock that would, you know, it would go over a cliff, this huge bedrock. And Jesus says, whoever hears these sayings of mine, I would liken unto him a wise man who built his house on this huge bedrock. And does them, I will build the, you know, this is a man, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall. Why? Because it was founded, for it was founded on the rock. It was founded on the rock. And then he says, but whoever, anyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and it fell, and great was its fall. You know why? Because it wasn't found on the rock. Look, if you don't read the word of God, you don't have a foundation. God can't be your rock apart from the word of God. You can read this all day long and say, blessed be my rock. He's my rock. He, yeah, he's my rock. Yes, he is my rock. Yeah, I believe he's my rock. Not if you're not reading the word of God. Because you don't have a foundation. You have a shaky foundation. And your life will vacillate. You know, it's like the four responses to the soils in, in the Gospels. You know, all the Gospels mention it. All of a sudden, not the Gospels mention it. You know, the sower went out to sow seed. Some went along the wayside. The birds of the air came and got it. You know, some, you know, went among the soil and it grew up. And because it had no root, when the heat came, it fell, you know, it scorched it and it, you know, when it fell off, fell off, you know, fell away and so forth. The next one, it says, it fell on the thorns and it choked the seed and it became unfruitful. And then Jesus said, but it's that good soil, the one that receives the word of God, and it's good soil. Luke says with a noble heart, the word kalos in the Greek. He says a noble heart, that's an honest heart. The person, when they hear the word of God, they say, Lord, that's me, Lord. That's me. I'm not. I, look, you didn't graduate from learning. None of us have. None of us graduated from being discipled in a sense. And it's almost like that person that said, you know, people say, I already know all of that. I don't go, I don't go to Bible study no more because I already know all these things. That's a fool. I can tell you that right off the bat. Somebody that said they know all this stuff already is a fool. The Bible only knows two types of people, a wise person and a foolish person. The person is a fool. Because the word of God is something that we need constant and constant instruction and constant reading. And we read and we learn and we read and we learn. And we, I was talking to somebody that they've been saved 47 years, 75 years old. He says, I just can't wait to get up and read. The Lord is speaking new stuff to me every day. 75. Jerry Paradise, 75. He says, the Lord has been speaking to me over and over again. He says, I still wake up and I'm hungry for the word. And, you know, people want to learn so much that they graduate from learning. Like, <laughs> God bless you. You won't have the rock. You can't say, blessed be my rock, because if, before you look at everything and, and it's crumbling around you. The word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. 
Don't ever think you outgrown coming to church, or outgrown Bible study, or outgrown being in small groups, or outgrown a men fellowship, or women fellowship. You will never outgrow that. You need it your entire Christian life. Amen? Your entire Christian life. I don't feel like going there. Don't just live by faith. That's why you know they don't know the Bible. If they say, I don't feel like going there, what feeling got to do with it? To just live by faith. The Bible says Habakkuk 2.4. To just live by faith. And people always wonder why there's such dysfunction in the body of Christ sometimes. Because people get to a place where they think they have arrived at something, and little did they know they didn't arrive. <laughs> they think they arrived. And little did they know they didn't arrive. And then when things go haywire in their life, you say, I thought that person was so mature that they said, blessed be the rock. They were singing a song, blessed be the rock and all this stuff. No, they wasn't really mature. They were just around things that made them look mature. But the minute something happened, because the word of God has not taken root in their hearts, he has not become their rock. Because they're hearing God's word and they're not willing to do it. He says, be hearing, not a doer only. Not a forgetful here, a man that looks in the mirror and walks away and forget what man or man that he is. But when you're a doer of the word, that's the rest of your life. That is the rest of my life. I don't get up in the morning and say, oh, man, I'm a pastor, man. I don't need to take no, I don't need no devotions, man. Look, man, I teach like four or five Bible studies a week, man. I don't need all that stuff. Oh, look, I read even more. You'd be surprised how much I read. I'm looking like, Lord, what's next, Lord? Help me. Because I realize what the enemy can do to somebody with that type of ignorance. I know exactly what he can do to that person. He will sift them like wheat. And then you say, well, I thought that guy went to church. You don't even see him no more. Because the Lord is no longer their rock. Information is their rock or some other stuff. But not the word of the living God. He says, blessed be my rock. Let God be exalted the rock of my salvation. David is looking back at verse 2 when he said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. The word rock is mentioned in the Psalms more than any other book in the Bible. Rock. We said rock fights. Y'all don't know nothing about rock fights. They had rock fights growing up in our neighborhood. And I remember these guys, they were chasing us. It was the younger guys against the older guys. So we like 10 and nine, and they like 13 and 14. So you knew they threw rocks way harder. And I remember, I wish my, I wish my brother was here right now. He would tell you. We were hiding behind this rose bush right in Vox Junior High back then. And they had these, all these rose bushes around there. And these roses used to come up. We was hiding be, from these guys who we were running. And I said, Keith, whatever you do, do not put your head up. I said, don't look. I know. I hear them. They're out there. They don't know where we're up, but I know they're out there. And he's staying not out there. I said, yes, they are. So but I'm not getting up. I'm staying here for if it's an hour or two days. I don't care. I'm not getting up. And he did just like, he just peeped up a little bit. Eleven stitches. He didn't say, blessed be my rock. You heard the siren go off. You know that cry, that kind of cry. The word rock is mentioned in the Psalms more than any other book in the Bible. 
He's a rock. It is God who avenges me and subdues the people under me. Verse 49, he delivers me from my enemies. This is why David could write, Yea, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for thine are with me, thy rod, thy staff, thy comfort me. That's why he could say that. He delivered me from my enemies. You also lift me up above those who rise against me. Look, the Spirit of the Lord does this. The Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against our enemies. Don't you know that? That's why we should walk in confidence that God is with, with, is with us. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. We should walk in that confidence that God is with us. You know, Isaiah 59, 19, everybody should know that verse. When Isaiah wrote, he says, So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. He says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, he did not say if the enemy comes in like a flood. He says, when, because he's going to come. When the enemy comes in like a flood, he says, you also lift me above those who rise against me. They will always rise against me. You have delivered me from the violent man. And if God be for me, who could be against me? Amen? I'm going to tell you, it's against you every single day when you wake up. Your own flesh, this lost world, and the devil, the ungodly trinity. The flesh, you know, the world, and the devil. That's who against you every morning you wake up, you got three strikes. And it starts with us first. That's why you got to make a choice. I kept myself from making those bad decisions. I kept myself, Lord, keep me. But God wants us to participate in it. He says, therefore, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name, look at the joy David had after being on the run for so many years. He says, he says, and sing praises to your name. He said, I'm singing praises to, it's interesting, he says, he says when early he says, praise the Lord. Now he says, I'm singing praises to your name. He says, in verse 4, he says, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So I shall be saved from my enemies. Now he says, therefore, I will give thanks to the Lord, O God. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. When the last time you praised God? You just went somewhere by yourself, got your headphones on, tears coming down your face, and you're just so thankful. You say, I can't believe he's so good to me. I can't believe he's this good. I can't believe that God is so good. I can't believe it. The people usually that's miserable and bitter is the people who want something that God didn't want for them, and they mad with the whole world. But when you yielded to God's will in your life, because God is always looking for a man or a woman who wants to cooperate with his will. He says, I will be down on earth as it is in heaven. And he wants to do... Live his will through our lives. And what is his will? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is reasonable service. Be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will. Thylema is a Greek word, the perfect will of God. He's looking for somebody that wants to say, Ah, oh, Lord, I want to do it your way, Lord. And that's the person that will praise him. That's our worship, that we will praise the Lord, 
that we're not at church thinking about the bills and all oh, the Super Bowl coming on. They going way too long. I got my plan in the Super Bowl party. And look, they still they still they should cut the surface short. Or some churches are we can't have evening prayer because it's the Super Bowl Sunday. I'm like, are you kidding me? Jesus is my rock, not the Super Bowl in Arizona. And some of y'all saying amen, amen. I want y'all to say amen because if y'all run out and say I got a Super Bowl party to go to, I'm going to remember it. I'm looking around. Because <laughs> people make that their God the most important thing. Oh, this is a big weekend. There's a Super Bowl coming and this and that. No, no, no. The Lord is my rock. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my fortress. The Lord God is my salvation. He's my joy. Whether those guys win or lose, they ain't going to give me not one penny anyway. If they said they was giving us some money towards us, I was like, oh, let's just let's close the church now. No, no. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> Please, I'm only joking. You know that. I wouldn't close church down for nothing. It says, therefore, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. And here's the last verse. He is the tower of salvation to his king and shows mercy to his anointed. Notice, to David and his descendants. Well, who is one of David's descendants? Jesus the Christ. That's who one of David's descendants, Jesus the Christ. To David and his descendants forever. Forever. What a song. I like this song. And look, you read it. You go back, you read it. You said, look, praise God for his deliverance in your life. Look, if you lose sight of this, and I always want you to remember this. If you don't remember nothing else, remember the day you got saved. Go back to that, live from that lenses that you can't believe. This is by grace you have been saved in Ephesians 2.5. By grace you have been saved. That's all that verse says. By grace you have been saved. It's God's grace. And because he saved us, we should be praising him like crazy. We shouldn't be clapping like this. God is making me happy. And, you know, some weird stuff like, oh, Lord. And, and, you know, we should be worshiping him. We should be teaching our kids to worship him. You should be worshiping him at work. And you should be praising him. People see you, like this bummed out person walking. How you doing? Making, kind of making it. You just, oh, man, the Lord is so good. He is so, he saved me. Oh, he saved me. That's where you start from. Stop worrying about all your problems all the time. You're going to have them anyway. But start thanking God for saving you. Every day you wake up to the Lord, thank you, you saved me. I'm going to heaven. I'm going, we're going to be around your throne worshiping you, Lord. I'm not going to be here forever. One day I'm going to be in heaven. We're going to be worshiping you. No more tears, no more sorrow, no more sickness. Every day is going to be like Sunday. And we're just going to be worshiping all of us. We're going to be around his throne. And we're going to, you know, and look, and it says, I have not seen, I have not heard, nor is it into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But by his spirit, they're going to be revealed to us. Stop living in this world like this is the only place we're going to be. Can't y'all praise the Lord for that? Let's give the Lord a big praise for that. Let's stand up and give the Lord a big praise for that. No, I didn't say stop clapping. Let's give the Lord a big praise for that.
Because we're going to heaven. You got some people that say, well, I don't clap. I don't do this. I don't do that. Well, you're going to get to heaven. You're going to learn how to clap. So let's pray and we'll sing this last song. Father, thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you for your grace and your kindness. Thank you, Lord, for this is a time of jubilance, Lord. We get so stuck in ourselves, we miss the whole point. The point is not us, the point is you. And so, Father, we love you. We honor you, we praise you. Well, we want to have a song in our hearts, Lord, a melody in our hearts, Lord. Spiritual hymns, Lord, that we want to be able to sing of you, Lord, and of Zion and the goodness of who you are, Lord. So, Lord, bless us, Lord. Bless us abundantly, Lord. Keep us in the hour we live in, Lord. Lord, as David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Let me praise him, Lord. Lord, sometimes we grumble and complain so much. But, Lord, I'm happy in Jesus and in Jesus alone. So we love you, we praise you, and we honor you. In Jesus' name we pray and for